Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95. No, uh, the Humpback Bridge in Corbally, I've got to be honest with you, it's the most terrifying bridge in Limerick as far as I'm concerned. Whenever I have to drive over it, I, I just have palpitations um, and effort is being made is it to do something about it, um, Connor? Well, Joe, um, the Humpback Bridge was found a couple of years ago to be structurally deficient. So the bridge was never designed for the volume of motor traffic that goes across it. So the council came up with a proposal to put a two-lane vehicle bridge. Um, Initially, that was their proposal. They've revised that now to a bridge with traffic lights um, perpendicular to the existing railway bridge. And what they would do is they would close off Madden's Bridge to to vehicular traffic and put bollards there so that it would be for... There's one or two residents that live that would need local access and that it would become a pedestrian and cycle bridge and that motorists would go straight across the canal underneath um, the the railway bridge so it would take away the bend but I suppose this is something um, Because the bend is pretty scary as well Yeah the bend bend is pretty bad I mean this was until about 25 years ago a very rural area like it was not designed for the volume of vehicular traffic that goes across it and of course it's used as a rack run to get from Clare and from the Corbally Road over up through Lower Park and out towards Rebogue towards towards UL. So in the mornings, like, I mean, I went out this morning for, for my run as I do every morning before nine o'clock and the place is literally like Mondello Park, especially since all the office workers have come back in the last week or so. Right. Uh, and Councillor Frankie Daly, I mean, I know myself, I try and avoid it like the plague, to be honest, when I'm going to and from Corbally, because as you mentioned, you have the humpback, then you're trying to get around. You have no idea what's coming around the other side. It's all blind. And I'm sure there have been loads of prangs and maybe worse there over the years as well. So doesn't this all make sense? front, I'd be actually in favour of the bridge in principle. I think as you mentioned, palpitations, different bits and pieces. Like the, the current bridge in the canal, the Humpback Bridge, is over 250 years old. It's been characterised by structural engineers as null and void. Actually, a good friend of mine, he's one of the tries that would have stood the family for generations. He gave me a story that the Humpback Bridge was so humpy that they actually took another piece of the hump out in the 60s and introduced... It was even humpier than it is now. It, you... In, in times gone by, Joe, cars used to get stuck and you'd have to go out and push it over. Like you know, You're not serious. I'm deadly serious. That's local <laughs> knowledge. <laughs> That's a friend of mine, a, a, a historian, Dermot Troy, who's also a work colleague with, with me. So basically, as a result of that, they would have put steel in there. And over time, you know, with steel and water and rust. So the bridge itself is structurally not sound for, for vernacular traffic. Yeah, I mean, but the other thing about Frankie is, you know, most locals are very aware of this and very cautious, but you do have the odd daredevil, don't you, trying to do all kinds of fancy manoeuvres over that bridge. Listen, as you said, when you, if, if, you're, if you're not familiar with the bridge and you come in, you do get palpitations. I get palpitations myself, so you could have a scenario there where someone's trying to beat, you know, just, just chances. And, you know, there could be a collision even, like, you know, there, there is that real fear that sometimes... I, when I first started off driving, I misjudged it, and you're in the middle of the the bridge with another car oncoming. You have to reverse back around and stuff like that. So, yeah. so Frankie, are locals universally thrilled then about this plan? No, listen, 
like it's 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 like anything. It's it's kind of went on board Panola. Like it's not going to be to everyone's satisfaction. There are residents now. To be fair to the council, I met with residents on site, and their concerns were taken on board. And indeed, in terms of the Mandela Park reference, like there's traffic lights put in place for traffic and measures. Yes, there was a two-way traffic system, but that's going to be broken down into a, a, a one one carriage at a time. So, for example, the example that I would give would be Partine um, system there in the Partine Bridge where the light goes on. So, if anything, it's going to slow you down further. So, Joe, I'd agree with you. People will probably avoid it like the plague, but for for the likes of like fire stations or you know ambulances and different bits and pieces, mm-hmm. and just to have a structurally sound bridge for the Carbley area. Let's be clear about it. It's a bottleneck as it is. And I think it's a very important, and not to mention the funding that's coming from the National Transport Authority of a couple of million euros to the area. So this is not, let's be clear, this isn't Limerick throwing money away or anything like that. This is Limerick getting a share of the pie from Dublin right. to improve our infrastructure so, to future-proof it for generations. Okay, so Councillor Conor Sheehan, I mean, on balance are you in favour of this? And what are locals saying to you? Well, Joe, to be honest, look, I actually live literally about 150, 200 metres from the bridge. I'm living in Lower Park myself. Um, you're ideal then. You're a representative of the locality and I you're local to this. Oh, jeepers. Oh, yeah, and you live 400 metres away, but Frankie, you're both locals and representatives. Fab. And to be honest, like, the views around this bridge are, are mixed amongst local people. But the big concern that's there is you're talking about spending all this money and there is no provision for a footpath going down the, going down the hill towards the canal. And the fact of the matter is, like, you're talking about something that will bring more traffic into the area because you're talking about about a vehicle, about a bridge that's going to be wider, that's going to be easier for people to cross. Of course, it's going to draw more traffic into the area. And we need to see a proper footpath around this. I mean, I organised um, a very, very well-attended Zoom meeting last March I also organised for a number of local people, myself included, to make submissions to Onboard Planola in relation to this. And before that, when the council had intended to do it by way of a Part 8, to make submissions to, to the council in relation to the Part 8 but, process. But I, I suppose and the, the, the bottom line is that, you know, it's been granted permission by Onboard Planola, so yeah. it's going to go ahead then, isn't it, as is? It, it is going to go ahead, but I'm very surprised that there is not something in there in the planning condition in relation to a footpath. You're talking about spending an awful lot of, of money, um, as, as my colleague just said, millions of euro, and not to have a proper footpath is absolutely crazy. I mean, we're supposed to be moving away from vehicular, from driving around in cars towards active travel and towards walking and, and, and cycling. And for the, for the life of me, I cannot understand that, that given the amount of submissions calling for a footpath to, to be included in this, why the board haven't come back and included that as a condition with their their planning permission. Now, thankfully, council engineers I've actually spoken to, and I spoke to the project manager who's leading on this for Limerick City and County Council several times, and he actually agrees with me. But the fact of the matter is, 
that should be in there as a planning condition. Right. Okay, I, I want to talk to both of you about something else uh, that's come up as well. Um, the Taoiseach is saying that it is unthinkable that King John's Castle would close early next year. Control of the site is to be transferred from Shannon Heritage to Limerick City and County Council, but concerns have been expressed in the Dáil by Clare Deputy Cahill Crow that the transfer process could take until March next year, and as a result, the castle could close to visitors for the first three months of 2022. Uh, the government some weeks ago approved a transfer of Shannon Heritage sites uh, out of Shannon Group to local authorities in the Midwest, a very positive development. A lengthy due diligence process is underway, which we thought would end around December 31st, now could run until March. In that interim period from January to March, uh, Shannon Heritage and Shannon Group are talking about closing these sites again. Unthinkable, not commercially wise, head in the sand approach if you ask me. They're also turning away commercial bookings and I'm hearing from staff that they're going to desist from taking EWSS support in terms of supporting our staff. Could I ask you, Taoiseach, as the helmsman of government, to do everything you can at the government end of things to expedite things? Uh, the region will lose out, the Thank workers will lose up, out. Deputy. Thank you. Deputy Crow raised the issue of the transfer of the heritage sites. It would be unthinkable if someone was not going to operate that. No one in government said just because we're transferring from one entity to another that they should close in the interim period. But that's not a runner. Or that EWIS, if it's available, shouldn't be used. So I will ask the minister to, to, to and, and both ministers involved there to engage to make sure that that does not happen and shouldn't happen. All right, the Taoiseach responding there to Deputy Cahill Crow about King John's Castle and Councillor Frankie Daly. It seems extraordinary, doesn't it, with the immense pressure on tourism in Limerick and around the country due to the pandemic that we could be facing this situation. Joe, it's absolutely crazy and it's just a, a real example of bureaucracy at its worst. And I suppose from the point of view, it's it's the number one destination for, for tourists within the region. So it's unthinkable to think that, you know, or something that's the, the lifeblood of our city would be closed for such a period. So indeed, this is something that has gained traction from all public representatives from Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael, Sinn Féin, Independence, uh, the Greens, etc. So everybody's united on this. So we've had a meet on this recently and it's something that we're pressing the chief executive. I know the response was the due diligence and that bureaucratic kind of side of this in terms of getting things right from a, a kind of a, a legal standpoint. So it's something that we'll be advocating for, but yeah. unfortunately, Joe, the, the powers lay outside ourselves. Right, you know? right, yeah. Well, Councillor Conor Sheehan of the Labour Party, I mean, I know I would have intentions, I'm sure lots of people do, to invite people to Limerick over the winter. And one of the great things to do is to visit King John's Castle. Yeah, I mean, Joe, the castle is the most iconic building in our city. And I've been engaging with, with the work, as of a number of my colleagues, over the last couple of weeks and months. And I actually specifically asked the mayor, and thankfully he agreed to include this as an agenda item at the Monday council meeting. And that's where we, we got the update from the director in relation to this. And look, I agree with a lot of what Deputy Crow said in relation to keeping the castle open. But the onus actually follow, falls on Deputy Crow and his government colleagues in Fine Gael and in the Green Party because there is a funding gap that may need to be plugged here. That's what the director said to us on Monday. I mean, what, what the council are intending to do is that, they're in, that is that they won't be insourcing the workers. They'll be setting up an entity like Shannon Heritage to run the, the castle. We know that Shannon Heritage themselves had intended to close the castle in November. And when I actually called an emergency meeting um, of the council to discuss this, they actually backed off. And I mean, 
the idea that that this council would be run on a seasonal basis is absolutely insane and it's not on it's not something that I'll accept it's not fair to the workers there's only 13 of them yeah. in, in the castle they bring such a additionality and well, I would well, exactly. yeah, and I mean the, the obvious point to make here is that in winter time clearly um a lot of the tour as we know is indoors so it's it's ideal for winter tourism it's it's absolutely ideal for winter tourism, and it's also ideal that when if the, when the council are taking over it, they should be using it for things like banquets, for things like welcoming yes. visiting dignitaries. Yeah. I mean, the council is so underutilized. I, and I, 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 mean, I went to Gavin James recently, like and I had the t- there a number of years ago. Just the buzz and the excitement. But you're just, just ridiculous. I mean, to have to have something like that as historic as that and not to be using it for every second thing you do. I, I, I don't know. Anyway, listen, thank you both very much on both of those subjects. Good to chat to you. Independent Councillor Frankie Daly and Labour Councillor Conor Sheehan of Limerick City and County Councils. Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95.